welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Hello, guys. This is not how we normally start a podcast. We started it differently today because it's just me and Liz again. We normally decide before we press record who's going to do the intro, but we just press record and then both stared smiling at the camera. <laughs> and I, I waved awkwardly. For those that are on YouTube, they would see that. But um, That's so great. If not, welcome back everybody to another Flex Success podcast where we teach you how to be less shit. Fuck. Anyone would think we're on the same team. The intro um, says that we'll sprinkle in a dick joke or two. And I got pulled up by someone recently, one of our listeners that they haven't heard a dick joke in a while. So I Googled dick jokes and I got one. You ready? There's actually heaps of them and and some of them are just gross and not funny at all. But I thought this one was quite funny. Uh, How do you compliment someone for performing a circumcision? Don't read the screen, Dean. How? (laughs) Tell them to keep the tip. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Isn't it great? Do you like it? But isn't the tip the, the glands? Oh, well, Dean, stop Look, it. sorry, I didn't want to break the dick joke. You're really ruining it here. Unlike you've broken many a... <laughs> no. Okay, let's... No. Woo! Rolling with um, so those listening on YouTube, I just got my eyebrow tattoo touched up this morning. So they're looking quite intense. So please excuse. Oh, there's lots of bepanthan. They're quite shiny and, and pink also. Mm. That's all right. I don't know. I think they look pretty normal for a Lebanese boy. <laughs> the Arab is really coming out of me with these dark, intense eyebrows. <laughs> uh, so, I Dean. Know. I feel like it's been a while since we've been on this podcast together. Maybe we just haven't recorded something. We're here to talk about cheat meals and why they might be beneficial or why they might not be beneficial. Ooh. And maybe an alternative to cheat meals. Maybe multiple alternatives. Mm, maybe. Mm. But first, let's talk about you. Yes. How are you, Dean? I'm in the white chair. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Is anything new been happening lately, Dean? Look, we haven't spoken in a while, so I feel like <laughs> I need to fill you in on my life. What's happening with me? Hmm. This is obviously for the listeners. because yeah, no. yeah. I actually just got myself a coach. Oh, yeah? Which is fun. Uh, Am I relationship- here surprised? <laughs> yeah, no, a, a relationship coach. No, I, you didn't. I want, to, um, I want to figure out how to have sex with multiple women. <laughs> Get divorced, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> uh, no, I, I got myself a coach for my physique development and brain development. Mm-hmm. His name is Joe Jeffrey. Uh, he's from, or Jeffery, depending on if you want to sound it out phonetically. He's from the UK. I'm not really sure where in the UK. He has a luscious beard, very tan skin, some cool tattoos. I've seen one photo of him and I noticed that he has a, a bull ring. I have my septum pierced mm. as well. Let me just stick my nose up in the air for YouTubers. And we also have the nasal piercing. So me and your coach mm. have matching piercings. Maybe I like my coaches like I like my wound. <laughs> you know? Sexy as fuck. <laughs> Bearded and pierced. <laughs> Bearded and pierced. Beard no. Um, to, to be truth, to be told, the only reason why I hired him is because he, he's a uh, firm um, believer and promoter in rescuing doggos. That's not the only reason. No, it's not. He's got a big brain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you thought I was going to do another dick joke, didn't you? I was hoping. No. Yeah, no, Joe's um, somebody that I've followed for a while. Very smart fella. Uh, scarily young for the amount of knowledge inside his brain. And the thing that I liked the most about him was his ability to recall it quite well, which means he understands it very thoroughly. I think one of the uh, things that people do on social media that is often 
a sneaky way to seem smart is to recite things in text or even on stories in 15-second snippets. Mm. Uh, but they can't have conversations about technical topics because they don't really know. They just sort of read things and repeat them. Whereas mm. Joe's very different. He's on a lot of podcasts. Um, he's got exceptional knowledge in the pharmacology side of things, which I'm interested in learning more about. Is this an ad about Joe? Or... Well, I was just saying why I chose him, I guess. <laughs> okay. and, uh, but most of all, to be perfectly honest, I've never really had a full crack at a proper growth phase mm-hmm. uh, where I've dedicated time, effort, and intention to that. And I figured it would be nice to take away the stress of controlling my own shit and give that to somebody else. Well, Dean, you have my full support because I do believe that size does matter. You absolutely do. Um, (laughs) Please don't overshare. No, I've just received far more attention from you in the last few weeks since since going through a weekend phase. (laughs) Look, I like my men large, Dean. And yeah, it's going well. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, two weeks in, start of three weeks now, absolutely obliterating myself in the gym. And I am fearful of what's to come. <laughs> if anybody's ever programmed and they genuinely train hard, they will know the feeling of when you finish the session and you go, holy fuck, I've got to do that again and better next week. And it's scary. Mm. But yeah, anyway, that's me. What have you been up to? Uh, well, obviously there's the two new coaches on board. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our listeners have jumped over onto our um, Instagram and seen their stuff. The smart little cookies. But I also, after God, 10 years of lifting weights, decided to jump headfirst into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> uh, for two reasons. Maybe we'll, we'll go deeper a little later. But um, one of them being I wanted a new challenge because, you know, I, I don't really have any goals of growing more muscle. I'm pretty happy where I'm at and maintaining. And that was just feeling a bit stale. So I just thought I'd try something new. Um, and for those also watching on YouTube, you can see my poor little wrist here. I have no use of my left hand today. I'm obviously a white belt because I'm four weeks into jujitsu right now. And um, I thought it would be fun to get a little rough with one of the colored belts last night. And I got my ass handed to me. Um, I can really... also see a blister on your heel, which is hilarious. Oh, man, I, I, I um, pinched my shoulder the other day. I pulled a tendon in my toe. I have like bruises all down my shin. I'm getting beaten the fuck up. But I'm really liking it. Also, balls in your face is a real thing in jiu-jitsu. It mm. happens all the time. And um, I'm always so worried about kneeing guys in the balls. Not like Certainly not on purpose, but there's like sliding elbows and legs going everywhere. And um, Dean is my dummy sometimes. I'm like, Dean, get on the mat. I want to try this move with you. I'm not quite understanding it. And constantly he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> and, the, and I'm gentle on Dean compared to at jujitsu and the boys don't seem to flinch. So I don't know if maybe they have calloused nuts from all the years of being in the... There is nothing better than a thick scrotum. Tell you what, that person who complained about no dick joke has got plenty. (laughs) But seriously though, I'm an absolute noob. I feel like a fish out of water. I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel like a huge imposition. Um, But I think everybody who's a beginner at any sport will feel that way. I don't even understand what half the words mean that they use. Um, yeah, well, the other night when you were throwing me around. Oh, get in my guard, Dean. Let me sweep like, you. Seatbelt me. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> I'm just reminding myself that everyone has to start from zero. You've got to learn to walk before you can run. Mm-hmm. But so. it's super cool. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you become a beast. Liz is very competitive. 
as am I. It doesn't always make for a good combination of two people. <laughs> um, and uh, I, would, I would actually flourish seeing you compete in jiu-jitsu. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to compete. I know you don't, but, you know, I just think it would be fun to watch. <laughs> you know? Unless, of course, you got choked out. That wouldn't be so fun. No, it's fine. I know it's fine, but not when you lose. Um, yeah, so... I don't want to be married to a loser. <laughs> if I lose, will we get a divorce? You've married a loser. I've come second multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I remind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I um, I was really worried in my, my first class, thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get so injured. Like people are gonna are gonna hurt me, but actually, the whole point of jujitsu there's there's four kind of steps. The first one is closing the gap, so getting close enough to the person that you can touch them. Mm-hmm. The next one is the takedown, so you have to take them to the mat, or they take you to the mat. The third one is achieving a dominant position, um, and there's various positions that are considered dominant. And then the fourth one is getting them to submit by either you know grabbing their elbow or their knee or their wrist and like locking locking out their elbow so they tap out to say like stop now or some sort of choke. So they're the mm. two submissions. And you're not actually trying to hurt someone when you choke them or do a joint lock. You're just trying to lock their joint enough that they know that you've got them and they tap and then, you know, you continue mm. if, you know, if time's not up yet. Mm. Um, or you get points if you're in a competition. So it's never the goal to really hurt the person. Probably not the sport for a stubborn individual. Me? No, just in general. Because oh, okay. if you're stubborn and you don't want to tap, you, you get hurt. No, no. You know when you need to tap. Yeah. I have seen it before, though. Like, you know, I'll never tap. <laughs> but I will snap. <laughs> Goddamn, if you had to give points to someone for stubbornness, I would get all of those points. But <laughs> You should definitely get a, like a, a, like a slogan added to your gi. It should be tap, don't snap. <laughs> also, the gi, the pyjamas that you wear in um, jiu-jitsu, and I'm five foot, like I'm very short, and I have the smallest size gi or pyjamas, and the sleeve goes like to my fingertips. Mm. So yesterday I whipped out the old sewing machine, <laughs> sorted it out. Mm. But I feel like a child swimming in an adult's pajamas. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So we've both got some shit going on. We do. It's cool. Mm. Nice changes. I think it's, uh, I don't know about you, but it certainly motivated me. And I feel like even my work is becoming more efficient. I've got a little bit more purpose to my day. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm finding just feeling a bit less stale in my training. I'm still lifting as much as I was before. I'm just doing double day training days sometimes. And with one arm. With fuck, coming home with so many injuries. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. moving on. Today's topic. Today's cheap topic. meals and all things considered. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about like obviously what a cheap meal is for those playing at home that aren't aware or at least our definition of what it is. Uh, the potential pros. <laughs> mm-hmm. The obvious cons. Uh-huh. Am I inflecting the right time? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then maybe some alternative strategies that people might want to consider. Did you want to start with the definition or do you want me to start? Uh, I'll throw a definition definition out there. I don't really have one, but obviously we'll just see where it goes. Make it up. <laughs> uh, typically, a cheat meal is simply a meal that is off your current dieting plan that has no recognition whatsoever for calories, macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fats, mm-hmm. or anything of the kind. You simply get to, quote unquote, cheat on your otherwise predetermined diet for a moment in time or for a single meal uh, and eat whatever the fuck you want. Hmm. Some people have different rules around cheat meals, like you've got one hour or whatever you can fit on one plate. Or an entire fucking day. Or, yeah, a cheat day. Hmm. So, so there's, there's lots of different interpretations and modifications of cheat meals or mm-hmm. cheat days. Uh, but, yeah, generally exactly what you said. It's, yeah. it's kind of a free-for-all within that hour or plate or day. 
free-for-all, non-diet plan, non-macronutrient control, mm. whatever? Yeah, so I've, from my experience of being in the bodybuilding community, people seem to compete with their cheat meals to make it bigger than last week or bigger than the person they're having a cheat meal with. And they end up eating themselves into sickness, um, sometimes vomiting because they've eaten so much or perhaps their diet was so restrictive during the week there was absolutely no dairy and then they've smashed a, a thick shake mm. and, you know, all this dairy and all this all this stuff that they're not used to eating and they end up making themselves sick. Um, and let's say that they put themselves in a, I don't know, 300 deficit, 300 calorie deficit uh, a day. What's that over six days, Dean? 1,800 calories. 1,800 calories. That is so easy to eat 1,800 calories in a single cheat meal. It's like one and a half pizzas. Yeah. So it's like a pizza and a Coke or a pizza mm. and some chips. So you've just cancelled out the entire week's work. Um, you know, you would think for someone that's going for a significant amount of weight loss per week, maybe it would be more than 300 calorie deficit, but maybe not for some people. Mm. Um, this is the other thing. It doesn't discriminate against the size of the human, mm. let alone the size of their appetite and hunger. Mm. So if I was to eat mm. one and a half pizzas, uh, my, my daily intake is 2,000 calories a day. Dean, what's yours, like 4,000? Mm -hmm. Probably about double mine. mine. If I was to eat a 2,000 calorie cheat meal, that, mm, that's the word I'm looking for, that mm. has far larger ramifications on me and my body weight than that 2,000 calorie cheat meal has on Dean because I've just eaten a whole day's worth of calories in that cheat meal plus whatever I've eaten for breakfast and, mm. and uh, lunch, assuming the cheat meal was dinner, whereas Dean's just eaten half his daily calorie intake for him to maintain his body weight. Yep. So for small humans, which is usually females, um, cheat meals, man, that the costs are far greater. Yeah. What's one of the potential pros? The potential pros, fuck, not, not a lot. I guess at the time it feels enjoyable, mm -hmm. um, but people who really smash cheat meals, they're just so excessively restricted during the week and they don't understand that they can or how to fit in little bits and pieces like sauce on their meals or a couple of squares of chocolate at night time. Mm. And so they spend six days thinking about their nachos and then the dessert and it just keeps building and building for six days. Mm. And if you're not so restricted um, during the week or, you know, on days outside of your refeeds or free meals that we'll talk about in a sec, you don't feel the need necessarily to go overboard like that. Yeah, the drivers for more food, not necessarily a a particular or specific type of food or flavor or just product, to satisfy hunger, whatever it may be. Yeah. You're hungry. I mean, I, I think, I think the concept of having a meal that is somewhat unregulated in a time where you've done or gone through some extreme dieting, you've got a lot of diet fatigue and that you're kind of like just counting down the days until you have something a little bit more palatable or a little bit more voluminous, whatever it may be. The concept is, is good because psychologically that relief is quite nice. The problem is, is the associated word being cheat. Most people then just take that at free will and don't make it about having a break, but rather making it an opportunity to stuff their faces. Yeah. It's almost as if the sort of like the I'll start on Monday framework comes into the cheat meal. It's like, cool, I've got all of this time or this, this, this allocated meal to get as much in as I can. And then I'll start fresh again on Monday and I'll be fine. Like everything's all good again. That kind of That's looks like the binge starve cycle, doesn't it? It's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, and then as you said in the beginning, the problem is that the more you do it, the more it becomes sometimes a bit of a competition. How much you can fit in. And, yeah. and then because it's also time restricted, then it's like, oh, how much more can I fit in? 
and you essentially just get yourself into a position where it becomes more about how much you can eat, not enjoyment, not enjoying the actual break. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the flip on that is that you potentially then have the uh, the follow up week whereby people are then essentially just killing themselves to make up for the damage caused. Yeah, because they feel guilty, and so then they end up exercising mm-hmm. out of um, like fear of the damage that they've caused, and they're punishing themselves for the food that they ate yeah. instead of rewarding their body with exercise yeah. and looking at it as a performance management system. Or even dieting much harder throughout the week than they should have to in order to counterbalance the extreme over, overconsumption. Yeah, the week. and dieting harder increases feelings of restriction, which then increases their cheat meal, and the Bigger cycle continues. Yeah, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know. So what are we to do, Dean? What is the solution? <laughs> well, like I said, I think the concept itself is okay. I think the problem with the cheat meal is really the psychological association with what the opportunity is providing people with. Yeah, the restriction and then mm-hmm. the free-for-all. Mm-hmm. So I think we have uh, a couple of different strategies that we can potentially implement as opposed to using the word or using the, the um, terminology cheat meal. One, you have the calculated approach, which would be a refeed. And then the other one would be still an uncalculated approach, but it would be like an off-plan meal or a free meal. A bit more sensible. I like off-plan as words because it is just a meal that's off-plan. It's not It's not um, assuming anything like you can eat X amount, you can have as much as you want, All right. you can eat for an entire day. Like Let's like. start from the beginning though and um, talk about what a uh, refeed is. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that is controlling their nutrition through tracking their calorie and or macronutrient intake being protein, carbs, and fats. They'll be eating X amount of calories split into X protein, X carbs, X fats. And that would be in a deficit, so less than what they need to maintain their weight weight during the week. And a refeed is, well, how we use them at Flex Success is at least two consecutive days of higher food at or maybe slightly over... Um, your total daily energy expenditure or the calories that you need to maintain your weight. So if I can maintain my weight on 2,000 calories and I'm trying to lose weight, I might eat 1,500 calories Monday to Friday and have a weekend refeed of 2,000 calories Saturday and Sunday. So there's no cheat meals. It's just I'm allowing myself to eat at maintenance calories for those two days. It might be three days. A refeed doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be two. Um, it can also be one. It can also be mm-hmm. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we do two usually, but yeah. there's, there's Depending wiggle on the room. Phase. Yeah. yeah, there's wiggle room. Um, and, and that way we know no fat gains going to occur because I'm not eating in a surplus. I'm still eating at maintenance. It does bring my weekly, av- sorry, my daily average calories up mm-hmm. from 1,500 to whatever it is yeah. with, the, with the refeed. Um, but no, no fat gain should occur. Yeah. So major differences are like a calculated reintroduction of calories. Yeah. For the purpose of stress relief. Mm. And then there's a couple of different ways you can do that. Again, we can think, okay, if I'm going to have two refeeds, but I still want my daily average calories to be 1500, I might want to diet on 13 and a half or 1400 calories Monday to Friday to allow for those extra calories on the weekend to still be in that mm-hmm. um, deficit as an average or we can just, just deal with it. not do that and yeah. have slightly slower fat loss, but it means that I don't have to suffer as much during the week. Yeah, it might mean that you missed out on 100 grams of fat loss for that week. Yeah. And then you're back into it the week after. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the biggest thing here is calculate a reintroduction of calories for the purpose of stress relief, both physically and also psychologically. Yeah. There's usually some room for some, some additional palatable food, like things you may not typically eat. But typically, also, we would like mainly opt for a primary uh, introduction of calories from carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. 
uh, just because they seem to have the biggest impact on performance for anyone that's weight training. Uh, not seem to, they do. Um, but uh, so that's whereas the a cheat science meal, is conclusive. Yeah, whereas <laughs> a cheat meal is going to be a, for the most part a high fat meal. Yeah, a high fat meal, uh, which has zero performance benefits. Hey, has Jackson Pios's study on refeeds and diet breaks come out yet? No, I believe he's pushed it into a couple of different publications. Um, but the general thumb, rule of thumb I'm getting from him or the general uh, information he's now putting out uh, on his own socials is that physiologically from a perspective of leptin, leptin, ghrelin, hunger hormones, metabolic rate and all that kind of stuff, uh, in his diet break study, which was a seven-day refeed essentially, every two weeks of dieting, there wasn't any, any benefit to it, statistically mm. significant benefit to it. Mm. Um, and the implementation for him, he's suggesting now is primarily around psychological right. and performance. All right. Let's yeah. unpack that a little bit for the audience. So Jackson Pierce, we had him in the podcast like, like 20 episodes ago or so. Mm. And at the time he was in the thick of uh, this study on novel dieting strategies, which was in this instance, refeeds and diet breaks. And it actually hasn't been studied before, but the idea is that, okay, so when we diet, we have particular hormones responsible um, for satiety and hunger. Ghrelin is our hunger hormone. Leptin is a hormone that lives in our adipose tissue or our fat. And that seems to drop significantly when we're losing weight. And our leptin sends signal to our brain saying we're chubby and happy. We're not hungry. We're good. We don't need more food. But when we diet, leptin seems to crash and, and ghrelin spikes. So we feel hungrier all the time. So wouldn't it be great if we had some way to spike our, our leptin mm. and send signals to the brain saying, oh, we're not actually that hungry. We feel satiated. Um, and it was thought that uh, refeeds and diet breaks, we haven't really spoken about diet breaks, but think of them as an extended refeed, mm. um, where, where the extra calories are coming from carbohydrates spikes leptin and goes a long way in helping you adhere to the diet down the track because your leptin levels are higher, therefore you're not feeling as hungry. Mm -hmm. So that was the theory. And so Dean's just said that um, Jackson's alluding to the fact that that's actually not what's coming out in the research. At least in his, yeah. Like there's, there's certainly varied results. Like I know um, uh, Dr. Bill Campbell, he's, he's done like three-day refeed studies where he's shown benefits in metabolic rate. They've got the, um, you've got the, the original uh, Matador study, which was in over, overweight, obese populations, and they showed like, potential benefits metabolically. That was for intermittent too. dieting though, not for... <clears throat> that was for one week on, one week off. But then Jackson's was uh, two weeks, two weeks diet, one week off. So it's just an extended version of that, but in athletes. Mm. And it didn't seem to be, at least that's what he's alluding to. But what he is alluding to in the positive is that performance markers seem to be, I think, improved. Mm -hmm. And um, feelings of well-being... Being, Sexual performance? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, performance of uh, so performance again. Sense of well-being was one, mm -hmm. uh, and irritability went down, mm -hmm. which he thinks is just that typical like psychological association. If you had a little bit of a diet break, you can. Oh man, sort of I get angry. Moment. You don't get as angry, and then like the cool thing about being less irritable is you're more compliant and more adherent to your process. You are keen to train after a week of high, high carbohydrates. So like, there's all these, uh, I would say, like indirect mechanisms at play for the potential. Uh, improvement of the entire dieting strategy mm. by having momentary breaks. Mm. One thing that's probably worth bringing up though is diet breaks, which is, I mean, you can think about it different ways, but the way that we talk about it in the literature is still calculated mm. 
Um, it doesn't mean that you have a break from dieting in the sense that you can eat whatever the fuck you want for the week um, or the fortnight or however long you're doing it for. But another way that I like to implement um, refeeds, we'll just stick to refeeds yeah. for now, with my clients is figuring out what do they really need? Do they need the psychological break from counting their macros and playing, playing, paying close attention to their food? Mm-hmm. Use your words, Lizzie. Or do they need the physiological break where they need that relief from hunger and they don't feel mentally fatigued from tracking their food and whatnot? Um, and for clients that are going away for a romantic weekend away or they just want to put their phone away and not track their macros or think about their food, I give them a refeed that looks a little different. And it's just eating to guidelines. So it means instead of just having half a cup of rice, have a full cup of rice and don't worry about weighing your meat or your sauce or whatever, just eyeball it, just approximate. Mm. And instead of having just fresh fruit as a snack, have some fresh fruit and add some crackers in there. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll find some other ways that you can get some foods that you like in and there's more room for calories, but you don't need to track it necessarily just so long as you're not going wild. Yeah, so it's a moderated version of an increase in calories. Sure, but it's yeah. not it's not really calculated. Mm. Um, it's just that we're still finding a way to manage calories more or less within a few hundred calories. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not an eat whatever you want because man. Well, this is so like, this is the thing, right? Like, I think the, the one thing that people need to realize really quickly with refeeds is there's individual variability mm-hmm. in that, like you know, you and I may require a different setup between how frequently we diet break or refeed mm-hmm. just because we're different. But then there's also inter-individual variability whereby like sometimes I'm going to feel like I need a refeed every two weeks. Sometimes I'm going to feel like I need one every week. Mm. So that varies also depending on the situation you're currently in. And I think in a perfect world, if you had somebody that just honestly could only rely on like hunger cues and ate what we would say would be like uh, low energy density, highly micronutrient dense foods, then you could probably go off plan and say, just eat until you're satisfied. Mm-hmm. And most people would probably do really well, mm-hmm. but we don't live in that society. We live in a society where a bag of chips is a dollar. Yeah. And a, a head, salad you know, six bucks. A salad six dollars. Mm-hmm. So um, that that deprivation or at least the thought of deprivation in a dieting phase that people think they have to go through because of what social media tells them mm-hmm. is now seen as an opportunity when they're told not to to eat as much shit as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. But your way is like a really, really nice, uh, I suppose like amalgamation of the two ideas mm-hmm. to say, hey, there's some rules and some general guidelines. We want you to eat more food, but we just don't want you to go for the hyperpalatable, high energy density, low micronutrient density mm. foods because that's where you're going to come Mostly, from. yeah. Of course, there's room for chocolate or a couple yeah. of slices of pizza, just not a whole pizza, mm. um, depending on the person. Some of my big guys could eat a whole pizza and they'd be fine. Um, Motherfuckers. But the, I know, jealous. <laughs> it's a 60 kilogram female. I'm very, very jealous. Um, but one thing that I tried to drive home to my flexes is that. I don't really like to think, uh, which is which is different to some other coaches. I don't like to think of any phase we're in as we're dieting or we're not dieting. It's mm-hmm. no, we're trying to reduce calories or increase calories or you know maintain weight by managing calories within this threshold. But um, we're never totally restricting or totally just eating anything we want. There's mm-hmm. we're always just 
maintaining daily fruit and vegetables, having protein in each meal, that doesn't change. Just if we choose potato or rice changes, mm -hmm. if we choose no sugar barbecue sauce or smoky barbecue sauce changes. Yeah, you know, managing the variables. There's just, yeah, like if your step target is 15,000 or 8,000, like those little things will change. But we're never dieting where we can't eat this or that, mm -hmm. or we're never not dieting where we'll just eat two pizzas for dinner. Like that's just not a thing. We always want balance and moderation and consistency just with a few tweaks. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if, um, if you have very specific goals that require a little bit uh, of a tighter rein on calorie consumption and also the, the, the calories that you're burning going out, then refeeds are likely going to be the best, best approach, mm. at least from a, um, an accuracy point of view. Now, if you're somebody who has long-term goals, or you're just looking for sustainable weight loss, uh, and maybe like there isn't a time point that's necessary, like a competition prep for a bodybuilding athlete or something like that, then potentially something like an off-plan or semi-moderated meal is going to be the best option. The difference I think here between language and like Broderick says this, we've, I've loved this line for a long time is that words have means is that a cheat meal's focus is on the consumption of the food. Mm -hmm. Whereas an off plan meal is typically going to be focused on taking a break from the plan. And I'm big on saying this is uh, enjoying the experience. And that experience could just be having some food with your partner. You otherwise haven't had for a few months. So like an off-plan meal could actually end up being less calories than your normal one, but it may just mean that you get to go out and eat like a small serve of hot chips and a steak with your partner because that's an enjoyable experience as opposed to focusing on the food. So mm. I like to remove the food focus. It's about the atmosphere and environment, not mm. the food. Yeah. yeah, it's about all of the other things you miss out on yeah. by being hyper-restrictive. I don't eat to a meal plan personally. I, um, I'm an informed eater, meaning I have, hmm, how do I describe my nutrition? I guess I have protein in every main meal, vegetables in every main meal, fresh fruit every day, mm -hmm. and I add a carb and or a fat to each meal. So I'll just decide what veggies I feel like at the time. Do I want them raw? Do I want them steamed? Do I want them baked? What meat do I want? So I you know, eat pretty similar things, but I, I don't have a plan necessarily. Um, I just have guidelines. So for, to me to have a, a meal off plan or an off, is that what you called it? An mm -hmm. off plan meal doesn't make any sense because I don't really have a, no, you have no plan. a strict plan. I don't have a strict plan anyway. So that only what Dean's suggesting only makes sense for someone that is strictly eating to a plan. Yeah. If you were following a, a diet plan, yeah, then you would have an opportunity to not follow that diet plan. And that's typically going to be best for people. I think that don't have the capacity or the know-how just yet to count macronutrients. Yeah. Uh, because if you're counting macronutrients, there's still some, um, there's still a potential reason to have an off-plan meal, so you don't have to go through the monotony of counting all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, like if it's just for, like, say, contest prep, you could easily just factor in some food you want. Yeah. And like in my contest prep in 2018, we still had sushi. We went and did sushi training. Yeah. It's just I had a very controlled sushi train. I had, you I had just prawn. pulled the prawns off the rice. And I know. I had the rice too. I had prawn nigiri. Like, no, but you, okay. you know, it was a, it was a calculatable mm. refeed for me. Um, and we also to go out and eat together. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do an off-plan meal where I would have something that's probably like way more fatty because for me, there would actually be a lot more psychological hardship thinking that I'm not doing my best. Yeah. That would probably undo a lot of the benefits of that meal. We so. should probably qualify that um, and say that that was when Dean was in his comp prep, so leading mm. up to a bodybuilding stage. Right now, he's not so concerned. Also, if I had very specific body composition goals, I certainly would have a plan um, or at least stricter guidelines to how I'm eating. But because my goal is maintenance and um, I'm an advanced 
macro counter who moved into informed eating, I can manage my body weight within one and a half kilos so easily now. But it's because I, I built those foundations. Um, I built the knowledge. I understand my personal preferences. I know what I can get away with and what I can't. So as much as people would love to jump the steps and just be go straight into informed eating, there's just no missing the work. Yeah. And just in case people aren't aware, what is informed eating? Okay. So we have a book, mm -hmm. Life After Dieting, A Guide to Informed Eating, and it teaches people how to move away from macro tracking um, and just that well, there's three pillars, but basically we're, we're, because we're informed already about what's in nutrition and, and how that relates to our nutrition needs, we can use that information to um, make our choices on food moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's feeling quite stuck on macro tracking and they feel like, oh, if I don't macro track, how do I know if I'm not just going to turn into a water buffalo? <laughs> Maybe reach out to Life After Dieting and Guide to Informed Eating and it will teach you everything you need to know. Yeah, I think that is the one thing that people misunderstand uh, or don't really think about when they learn macro tracking is that it's a purpose-built skill, mm. you know, and there is a time where macro tracking isn't necessary for sure. Yeah, it's just like going to university. Like you're there to learn something for a period of time. Imagine if you could never and, leave uni. And, and once, you, once you know that, you have to go and apply that to the real world. That's just like macro tracking. You don't stay at uni forever. Mm. <laughs> that wouldn't be fun. No. But I can appreciate the fear because that's the other thing too. There are a lot of people that actually just study a lot because they fear the application side of things. Yeah. You know? And then conversely, we have the worst kind of people, which are the ones that just jump in application and assume they know everything. <laughs> yeah, without actually getting the degree first, mm. yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I suppose that's like a fairly decent little rundown on cheap meals, off-plan meals, and refeeds. Hmm. Yeah. What are, what are the wrap-ups? Like, um, what do people need to know? Well, okay. When we're in a calorie deficit, eating less calories than we need to maintain weight, which is necessary for fat loss, then we want to consider uh, protein intake a little more closely than if you were in a surplus trying to gain weight because our risk of muscle loss is a little higher. We're in a catabolic environment, not an anabolic environment. So when our calories bump up during a refeed, you, might, you could take some calories away from protein maybe go from 2.2 grams of kilo, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. Let's say that's what you were eating in your deficit. So like 1.8 uh, grams of protein per kilo of body weight in your refeed and give those extra calories to carbs taken mm -hmm. from protein plus bump your carbs up so that you're at maintenance calories. Yep. Could be a handy tip. Yep. You got one? Uh, my tip would be, yeah, to try and remove that association with an off-plan meal as an opportunity to consume large or an abundance of food. Okay, so and understand rather, the difference between cheat meals and... And refeeds and off-plan meals, and rather see it as an opportunity to have a psychological break from the monotony of dieting and to uh, see it as an opportunity to have an experience with food mm. uh, with somebody that you like. Mm. So don't have an off-plan meal because you're not organised, but rather because you're trying to engage socially or enjoy meal with a friend. Yeah. yeah. And then my other bit of advice slash stab at people would be that if you are in the sport of body composition manipulation, being a bodybuilder, and it is your professional uh, sport, sport, sport. If you're a professional competitor, uh huh, and you're still doing cheat meals, you are not a professional through and through. That may <laughs> ruffle a few feathers, Dean.
Uh, but I would agree that it is quite a bro science way of looking at nutrition, having cheat meals and knowing everything that we know now. I don't understand how people haven't evolved their knowledge to realize that there's better ways of doing things. It blows my puny little mind. <laughs> well, put, I mean, just put it this way too, right? Like my goal as a bodybuilder, let's just for a moment say that I'm doing this professional. This is how I earn my living. My goal as a bodybuilder is to maintain as much muscle mass as possible and get as lean as possible. In order for me to do that, I have to have very tight control on the calories that go in my mouth and the calories that I burn going up. Mm -hmm. If there's a moment each week where I fuck with that option, then I only have myself to blame if I don't show up in shape. Mm -hmm. And why should it be that you've semi-dieted somewhat hard for like 10 weeks that you then go, I want to have six donuts and five slices of pizza when you can just have two and fucking one. Mm -hmm. Like again, like this sure, six donuts taste great, but like, what's the cost of that? Man, like yeah. the thing is that again, like most people get caught up in the concept of I'm just going to eat as much fucking food as I can. And they miss the forest for the trees and that this is just supposed to be a small break. Mm. Like take the break for what it is and don't go and fuck up your entire week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and a lot of competitors seem to get into this mindset of as soon as the comp's over, I'm going to eat 12 donuts and 10 burgers. and uh. But again, that doesn't really sing to balance and moderation. Not that there's anything balanced or moderate about a bodybuilding <laughs> competition. And of course, we want to gain fat after. Yeah. But we still care about our health. We still want to feel good. We still want to train well. And that stuff doesn't happen when you when you allow yourself to get into these binge starve cycles mm. yeah i don't know if this is my own bias projecting but my experience as a coach has always been that the uh the competitors and the clients of mine post-show that seek to again have food experiences with partners friends and families do very very well mm -hmm. they almost always like regain weight in a, in a healthy manner it's semi-controlled for the most part and they get back to their like baseline health markers where they should be they stabilize and then they're good to go but the people that go and buy a Krispy Kreme donut from 7-Eleven. And have a stash of food ready to go by the time. The they're the ones that just seem to go. And I think it's that association with no plan, shit food, no plan, processed food, no plan as much as possible. Mm. As opposed to like, you know, people laugh at me and for sure this is a bit weird. Like we went out for Vietnamese folk after my last show. Oh, that was great. I mean, I, In had, Melbourne, a, right? I had an entree of some, some fried chicken. Mm-hmm. But uh, which was delicious. It was but yeah, we went out for pho because you know, pho isn't really a trackable item for me during prep. I really like it, and I know you like it, and my friends liked it. We went out and we had an experience. Yeah, and that's all I needed. I just needed a break. Yeah, you just you wanted know? to eat a meal without having to put it on the scales and weigh it. It wasn't out. about the food; it was about not counting. Yeah, you know, and I think that's where a lot of people fuck up, even in general pop. Yeah, is that there? That that it's mostly like you release that gas pedal and it's fun. Yeah. off they go fishtailing down the street. Probably also worth noting, though, that I don't think it makes anyone um, weak-willed for having these really strong food-seeking behaviours when you're starved, um, starving your way to stage mm. because it's a survival mechanism because your body doesn't want you to starve to death. So it's increasing your hunger like no tomorrow. Food smells better. It tastes better. It's all you can think about. Mm. So that doesn't, that doesn't make you weak to feel that way, but rather it's just important um, for your own self-care to manage that a little better. For sure. Mm. And, and again, this food environment that we're currently in is not made to support Healthy those bodies. defense mechanisms yeah. post-dieting. Mm. You know, like it isn't normal for you to be able to eat a donut when you're starved. 
Nice. And therefore, when you do, your brain just goes, woohoo. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's why you do want more. So like if we want to try and minimize the intensity of those cravings and that food focus as well, we need to probably pick more appropriate foods that are a little bit closer to nature, so to speak. Yeah, I think this is maybe a whole other podcast oh. in itself, but maybe we'll, we'll touch on palatability quickly. Mm. When um, our food-seeking behaviors are really high and you're eating highly palatable foods, and we can just define that as foods that you find fucking delicious, <laughs> which is normally a food that has a combination of carbs, fat, and is also salted. So think like pizzas, burgers, chips, like yep. all the good stuff. Um, we find it really difficult to get full on them in a calorie-controlled way. Like if you, you're not going to stop at 300 calories of burger, like mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Um, but you could easily stop it, or more easily stop at 300 calories worth of white steamed potato and uh, chicken breast. Cause it's not as delicious. Mm. So, and also the food volume is greater on those low palatable foods. Yep. So you're doing yourself a disservice by giving in to those cravings that you're having for highly palatable foods and you'll have less cravings for them if you eat them less often. Mm-hmm. Cause you're kind of feeding, feeding that craving. Not to say that you should never have them. One thing I've learned, I personally, um, feel very restricted if I tell myself I'm not going to eat chocolate all week, like full stop. I actually think about it more for me if I eat it in moderation and I say, you know, I'm going to allow myself two to four squares a night. Mm-hmm. Um, that works well for me, but I've got some clients where if I put one hot chocolate in their uh, nutrition plan, they're going to have six of them. They just, if they have a taste of it, they can't stop. Mm. So it's not like there's a blanket rule of mod- like always moderation or always abstinence. It, it really depends. And um, for somebody just trying to lose a little bit of weight and keep it off, definitely moderation is the way to go. But for comp prep, I think it depends on the person. I agree. Yeah. Mm. That's a good wrap up. Let's roll with that. Yeah. It's kind of a long wrap up. My bad. Yeah. If anybody knows me, they know I ramble. <laughs> I mean, I rambled about myself at the, the beginning for a while. So don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Which brings us typically to a couple of a short round questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't normally ask each other any other like long listing questions. So instead we've got a, uh, something worth sharing. And that was left to me to do, which I'm going to do by just jumping into my bookcase here. Um, actually, I don't have it here, but I will spruik. Actually, yes, I do. I was going to do the women's book. The women's book is massive, though. I'm going to spruik this book from Lyle McDonald, The Guide to Flexible Dieting. Really catchy title. Certainly drags you in, but it doesn't. But it's here. How, <laughs> how being less strict with your diet can make it work better. And I think uh, from a like a front to back explanation as to how you can implement some food flexibility into your life, that's actually a cracking book. So read that one. Lyle, you salty dog. <laughs> you coined that term. <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna tell nah. the story? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so yeah, that would be my something worth sharing. And what's next? Would you rather? Dean, I told you, you're the boss of these questions on this podcast. Sort it out, mate. Here's my would you rather, Liz. Mm -hmm. Would you rather, in an alternate universe where handshakes and hellos are not the normal way to greet a person and COVID doesn't exist, would you rather have to, one, lick the back of their throat to determine (laughs) if they're a nice person? Do you mean their neck? Sorry, yeah, their neck. Okay, go on. I don't know how you can get in behind the throat. I know where you've come up with this. Go on. Or... Sniff their armpit like a dog. <laughs> and you don't know where I came up with that. I came up with that while I was standing peeing. Oh. 
I just scratched my poor little tattooed eyebrow. Um, lick, oh. lick the back of the neck. Or sniff. Or sniff yeah. the armpit like a dog. Well, I'm going to go with sniffing the armpit because I feel like I would get sick quite frequently because not everyone has great personal hygiene and I don't think I'd get that sick physically from mm. sniffing an armpit. I'm going to go with sniffing an armpit. What about the, uh, the strength of your immune system? No, I'm, yeah. uh, no, I'm not. No. It's like being a Look, baby. You've got to throw them in with the pig shit. There's a few cute boys at BJJ, Dean. Wouldn't mind licking the back of their necks. But there's now also... There's a, there's a salty dog. <laughs> some salty dogs there. <laughs> but there's some people that I do come across on a day-to-day basis. Love our neighbour, Christine. I'll just lower my voice because she might be able to hear us. Don't really want to lick her neck, though. No. 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 So that's what I'm going for. So, Dean, I think Is that Dean... that you think the neck would travel with, <laughs> with the tongue? She might be listening. Um, I think... Dean's come up with this question because the instructors at BJ. That's not, but this is a great that story. Is, that no, is. it's not at all. What, you just randomly came up with I was the back standing there peeing and thought, this is a good would you ask. Okay, anyways, this is, what I, this is how I thought he's come up with this question. All the instructors at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are Brazilian and they have Brazilian accents and they seem to struggle with uh, determining between T and TH. So instead of thumb, they'll say like tum or something like that. And so the instructor, um, it was Paolo, he was saying to one of the boys he was rolling with, put your thumb, which sounds like tongue, thumb behind my neck. And the guy's like, put my tongue behind, like, what is this move? (laughs) (laughs) I could just imagine like a girl jumping on that, like, okay. (laughs) That is freaking. (laughs) I'm trying to imagine what like jujitsu move would benefit from a tongue on the back of someone's yeah. neck. Not quite as good as the flashlight story. Oh, we'll save the flashlight story for another podcast, Ooh. perhaps. Maybe the next one. Uh, just FYI, it's not actually about flashlights for people. It was what I thought a flashlight was. No, it is the. Yeah. yeah. I feel this story. This is has to in come. Slovenia, right? Yeah, it was, but you, it's not so much. The story wasn't so much what you thought a flashlight was, but rather that the lady told us to bring a flashlight. All right, tell the story. All right, we're in Slovenia. We're going cave. Um, it's called cave diving or something. Yeah, we're going through a cave on a boat. Yeah. We got an email from the Slovenian company that said, hey, guys, please bring, you know, water, a jacket. Hiking boots. Hiking boots. We'll bring the rest, including the flashlight. We'll provide the flashlight. We'll provide the flashlight. <laughs> and Liz and I thought we may have just joined an orgy. In a um, cave. In a cave. With a and we of, still went. With a bunch of Slovenians. <laughs> So we took Liz's cold hands, knowing full well that she may be required to burn some <laughs> some phallic-shaped things into the flesh. No, we didn't. And then anyway, the lady who got there, she didn't know that that's how you spell flesh. I thought I should tell no, her. No, wait, she, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, we were on the boat in the, mid, in the middle of the darkness, and Liz is like, are you the lady that writes the emails? And she's like, yeah, she's like, oh, just want to let you know, it's flashlight, not fleshlight. Um, a fleshlight is actually a penis. <laughs> And I was sitting in the boat like, no, it's not. But I'm sure she's still equally embarrassed. And then the lady was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm glad you've told me this. I'll continue to write flashlight moving forward. Because, you know, like when someone has spinach in their teeth and at the end of the day they get home, like, why did no one tell me? I wanted to be the person that told it. Yeah. But, yeah, flashlight made sense to me because, like, a flashlight is kind of phallic-shaped mm. and, like, it's a flashlight made of flesh. I thought it was, like, another one for a cock. I don't know. Yeah. Made, sense. made sense that could have been a dick joke mm. but anyway that's us cheat meals cheat meals flashlights and refeeds mm. <laughs> do you want to call the podcast that cheat meals flesh I'm, I'm on it let's do it we'll do that alright <laughs> thanks everyone bye